The following message is from Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky, where we keep Christ central. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com. There's a lot that goes into protecting someone. You know, I was thinking about uh, about children uh, especially. You know, when you when you ha- have a child now, I'm sure it probably wasn't always this way. But but now, when you give birth in, in the hospital, before they will allow you to leave the hospital with that child, is the the nurse or somebody there on staff comes in to inspect the the child and and the car seat. They're not going to let the the baby leave the hospital without a proper car seat. So you can make sure, you know, in your in your go bag that you have all of the clothes and the, the snacks for the and and everything that you might need, but you can't forget that car seat or you're not leaving. Because we know that car seats save lives. And I wish we could say that the need to protect children goes stops right there. But in fact, it only increases as, as time and, and life goes on. Whether it's teaching our, our, our children not to, to run in the street so that they might get hit by a, a car or you know, helping a, a teenager uh, deal with a, a breakup of that person that they thought that they were soulmates and they were going to be with forever. Or maybe it's <laughs> you know, disciplining your child when they are young, when they talk back to you so that they know as they get older that what is right and what is wrong. And while we're not at that stage as a, as a family, but I have a feeling that the weight of protecting a child increases almost infinitely when they hit that age of 18 and they move away. Because at least while they're in, in your house, you, you, know, you, you, you have eyes on them and you can kind of control what they do and, and, and help them process through some of the decisions. But when they, when they leave the house, you, your, your access to them drops quite dramatically. You can't just pop into their room at night and, and say, hey, how was your day? Is there anything that I can help you with? You got to pick up the phone and call or text, and it's up to them whether they're going to turn on the phone or answer that that call. But the problems and the struggles of of children, those under our care, also seem to increase as they they go get get older. And so, how do parents? How do you, how do you handle that, that anxiety, that burden of, of loving your children and doing what you can to protect them? I think the best place for us to look in situations like this is, is, you know, not to, 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 to throw up a poll on social media and how would you handle this situation or maybe even call up a, a friend and say, you know, that's, that's good. As followers of Christ, the good news is that Jesus 
has addressed these types of issues. So this morning, I'm going to read here in John chapter 17, starting in verses 6 through 19 of Jesus praying to the Father that he would protect his followers, his children. We read these words, I, meaning Jesus, have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me, for I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. For I have given them to your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Got several verses here in uh, John chapter seventeen, and 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 in this middle section that that, that Jesus kind of has shifted from praying for himself, praying for his disciples, the the followers, those that that as he said he has they have uh, that God has has given them, and he prays a a beautiful prayer almost. A prayer I can imagine a parent praying for their child. But kind of the the, the difference between the two is usually here on earth in a a physical family relationship, it's, it's the child that leaves and goes on. But in this case, Jesus is the one that is is leaving leaving them. First thing that we see in these verses here is that. The disciples, and by extension us, are called out of the world. We are called out of the world. In John chapter 17, verse 4, the coming leading into this, Jesus said, I glorified you and accomplished the work that he gave him to do. So Jesus did the work. What was that work? It was to save sinners. 
But salvation right, does not come from, from tallying up the pros and the cons and making up the, 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 those two columns and you're just you know, saying, look, I'm just going to make the best decision for me at this time. I know in his prayer, Jesus says that he has manifested God's name, those that God had given him. Now this word manifest. It means to to appear, to to make visible. God showed him whom he had given him. And and Jesus encountered numerous people on earth. But yet the Bible tells us that many rejected him. I mean, think of how could someone who physically saw Jesus, many of them saw him perform amazing miracles. How could they not see and trust him to save them from their sins? Prophet Isaiah explains that your iniquities, your, your sin, has, has made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. See, it's sin that has separated us from God and hidden his face from us. I mean, look, you can grow up in church hearing about Jesus every single Sunday and still not see Jesus. You can have a good Christian home and still not see Jesus. Many of those that were waving the palm branches as as Jesus rode into Jerusalem did not see Jesus. And Judas Iscariot, the treasurer of the disciples, did not see Jesus. See, we know that if you are saved from your sins, it's not anything that that we have have done. You know, as a great old hymn, Rock of Ages says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Jesus did all the work. And it is God that does the work of calling sinners to salvation. But it is our responsibility to respond to that work that God has done. And for those of us that have responded to the good news of Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, we have a confidence that should fuel us to live no matter what. That our salvation is secure. Look here, verses Ephesians chapter 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, whenever I go and stay at a hotel, I have this fear and almost every time, but especially when you're going some distance away, that my reservation didn't go through. You know, now you do most of it on online. You book things, and and you you know you get the email and you run the credit. They, they but I don't know if you feel it, but there's always like, what if something, what if something happened? So most of, of the time, I will call the day before I'm leaving just to make sure you got my reservation, right? I have a room secured. And even when we're traveling, you know, a lot of times it's in the evening that we're going to get there. And so I call 
And it's like, look, it's going to be late. It may be 10, 11, 12 o'clock before we, we get there because I've always heard that, you know, it, that they'll give those rooms away if they're not filled by, by night. Because the last thing that I want to do is have reserved a room, but then I, I, I get to my, my destination and they're like, sorry. Sorry, there's no room for you. We, we gave it away. We didn't think that you were coming. But you don't have to worry about not having a room in heaven. Because God does not make mistakes. It's not like the internet cuts out when that transaction goes through and you just didn't know that, well, it, it didn't, you didn't get that reservation. No. In fact, your reservation was made before the foundation of the world. Look at that. Before the foundation of the world. If you are saved, <laughs> you're not going to get the, the, the leftover room that, you know what, that nobody really wants, but it's better than nothing. No, you're getting the presidential suite with all of the amenities that come to the most valued guest. But it's not because you got a lot of money or, or that you saved up all of those credit card points to upgrade your room. Oh, it's because it's because you know the owner of the inn and your family. You know how how do we know who the Christians are? Well, John gives us three characteristics of those that God has those that God has given him. We see he has made known to those people. Right? The first thing is they have not only received the word, right? Look here, they kept the word. God had given them to them. They kept the word, and then they know, they believe in faith. Now, we looked at kind of this word know before, right? It's not just an intellectual knowledge of, of knowing what Jesus has has done. No, it, it's far more than that. They received what God had given them. They knew it in their heart. They trusted and they believed in it. They had faith. And then they obeyed. They kept the word. They followed Jesus. So Jesus calls his disciples out of the world, but, but he also he also protects them from the world. Verses 9 through 16, Jesus says, I am praying for them. It's interesting. Look what he says next. I, don't, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. Now, uh, look, don't read more into it than it is that Jesus doesn't, you know, some people like say Jesus doesn't, doesn't love the world. No, that, that's not it at all. No, in fact, he left glory in, in heaven to come into the world. Jesus loved the world unlike any of us ever could. But here Jesus specifically calls out that he is praying for the disciples, those that God has given them. And by extension, all of us as believers. You know, imagine 
as Jesus inches closer and closer to to Good Friday, that the events are weighing heavy on him. These disciples, they're they're more than just students uh, and a teacher. No, I mean, they were like his own sons, and he loved them dearly. Jesus knew the difficulties that they would face and the temptation that they would, would coward instead of living boldly in their faith. I mean, he saw their struggles while he was with them. He saw their wavering on their faith, even when he was in their presence. But can you imagine what it would be like knowing that they would struggle and he would not physically be with them? Here in verse 13, he says, But now I am coming to you. Jesus going to the Father, and these things that I speak to the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. The world. Now look here in these uh, verses, we see kind of three things that Jesus prays for his followers. First thing that we, we see here is he prays for joy. Not just any joy, right? My joy. The joy of that Jesus has. Now, honestly, this is, is no, it doesn't really make a whole lot, a lot of sense, especially with earthly thinking. I mean, imagine if I, I were to, to come and, and visit you right before that you were to, to have a, a major surgery, and I go into the, to the pre-op room, the nurses are hooking you up to all of the, the monitors, right? They just stuck you for the third time trying to find that vein for the IV, and, and your spouse is just nervously holding your hand, just hoping that everything's going to go well. And all of a sudden, I, I start praying in my most dignified preacher voice. God, I pray that this person would have joy in the midst of their surgery. God, I pray that the surgeon, as they are holding that scalpel cutting on them, that they would enjoy themselves. And I pray that the nurses would, would, would find great joy in, in, in seeing all of the the the. the insides and all of the mess that might come through this surgery. And I pray that Mrs. Jones, as she's out there in the, in the waiting room, drinking that stale coffee, hoping what's going to happen. And I hope she has joy during that time. Now, I'd say probably before I could get amen out of there, there'd be like two you know, big guys in white coats that would escort me off to the, the psych ward. Because we don't associate joy with suffering. Now, but this isn't any kind of joy. No, it's Jesus' joy. And the joy of Jesus is unlike anything that the world experiences. It is this divine joy that the author of Hebrews speaks about in uh, 
Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, the world hated Jesus, but Jesus found joy in the cross. And the world hated the disciples because of Jesus. Now look at the, the contrast between the, the murderous mob and, and, and Stephen there. And in verse Acts chapter 7, we read that, that when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I mean, the language is very explicit as, as those who were about to stone Stephen, they, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But they were enraged at Stephen because of what he proclaimed. Because he was a disciple of Jesus. But that didn't bother him. That didn't bother him for he had joy. He gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God. See, when God's glory, when we see it as we are full of the Holy Spirit, then we will have joy even as our enemies grind their teeth at us and are hurling stones toward us. But the world has hated Christians throughout history. I didn't. 14, 15. Professor John us of Prague was, uh, was one of the leaders of the Protestant Reformation. And because he had received the word, he was hated by the world. In 1415, Huss was, was burned alive. As the, the death torch was making its way to him, he praised this, Into thy hands, O Lord, I Commend my spirit. I am willing patiently and publicly to endure this dreadful, shameful, and cruel death for the sake of thy gospel and the preaching of thy word. And as they lit his body, he started singing hymns as he experienced the most cruel death. world hates Christians today. And the world will hate Christians until Jesus returns. In fact, there are more Christians that are hated that face persecution today than ever in the history of the church. In fact, according to Open Doors, a, uh, a Christian organization that, that tracks persecution, uh, based on their 20, 2022 study, right, this is this year, over 360 million Christians are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. 5,898 Christians are killed for their faith. 5,110 churches and other Christian buildings are attacked. And 4,765 believers are detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. The hatred of Christians can show itself in less violent ways. But the world looks at us and 
may make statements as a, a football coach who goes to, to pray at the middle of a field during the end of a game. You know what the administration says? Look, I, you know, I, I just don't see why he has to force his faith down all of our throats. It, is just, it, it makes us angry when we, we see someone out there praying like they're better than us. Or when a teacher is told by a, a superior that, look, I, I know your faith is important to you, but it's, my faith's important to me as well. Look, I go to church, but I'm starting to hear from some parents and they're threatening in lawsuits that, look, that you're kind of saying things that don't line up with the curriculum. You're saying that there's only two genders? Look, I, I get it. I, I believe that as well. But it's not our job. We cannot force our beliefs on others. Like there's a you know, thing that church, separation of, of church and, and state. Look, just stick to the curriculum and you'll be okay. But if you don't, I, I like it, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to protect you from what might happen. Your faith, just keep that between you and God. Just don't bring it into the school and everything's going to be okay. Or maybe when your ball team had a rough game on a Saturday and coach calls a special practice on Sunday morning to get you ready for the playoffs. Go on and tell the coach, we never practice on Sunday. Why are we... Says, look, I, I, I go to church on Sunday. Coach says, well, I, I get it. Church is important. I, and I'm not telling you it's not, but, but these are the playoffs. They're important too. Like, I think it's great. You know, you wear those Bible verses on you like Tim Tebow does, but, but I really need you to be at this practice because you're the leader of the team. The other players, they look up to you and I need you. This is resting on you to get us ready for the playoffs. It's just one Sunday. But look, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But how is it going to look when everybody else is at practice and the captain of the team isn't? See, I'm looking for leaders that are committed to the team, if you kind of get what I'm saying. See, hatred and persecution doesn't always come with a, a stone or a torch or a bullet. But Jesus prays that his disciples will be protected from the evil one. Now, we'd be perfectly clear. I'm not saying that a, a supervisor, a, a, a coach, or even somebody that you disagree with is, is evil. No, Satan is the evil one. He is the father of lies, and he is deceptive. And I do believe that he works in creative ways to, to cause us to compromise our faith. 
Jesus tells us that we are sanctified in the truth. We know what is true. Right? He has given us his word so that we can, we can cling to that truth. We, we know it, but we, we have a tendency to, to kind of go on, on two ends of, of the, the spectrum when it comes to our faith. On one end, we, we kind of remove ourselves. You know, we've seen this throughout history of people creating, you know, communes and different to because we don't like the way the world is. We want to protect us. The way to protect it is to to just get rid of it. Or we see on the other end, we we see we just conformity. We just live like the world. We. But what Jesus is doing is he's calling us to be here in the middle. He's calling us to live on mission in the world. He's calling us to, to, to be in this middle zone. Right? We, right? We, 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 we can't abandon the world, but we can't be like it either. And so that's what the disciples did. And in some ways, they, they did suffer. Many of them gave their lives. But we also saw the flourishing of the church. And we're in this time in, in, in society, and I think part just because we're the ones that are living it right now where it's hard to know what to do. Right? The Bible tells us we're to be in the world, not of it, but we're to win the world. To, we have the tendency to just compromise, kind of thinking, well, I don't want to be seen as just being harsh or, or, or you know, we want to be loving, but what we do is we just chip away at our faith till we're just like the world. Or on the other end, you know what, we're just going to cancel the world. We're going to get rid of all of our media subscriptions, and we're going to, you know, it just, we're just going to, you know what, I'm going to quit eating at all of these restaurants, and because, it, look, we just, you know, we're going to move out to Montana where there's nobody, and we're going to live our life the way that we want to live, and well, there's something comforting about that. But that's not what G. God called the disciples, nor has he called us to do. For Jesus came into the world with a mission. Right? He accomplished what he set to do, giving his life to save us. And he found joy in doing it. The disciples did the same. They experienced joy as they, they did it. You know, the martyrs like John Huss or the persecuted Christians today, or even those that, you know what, it's just hard to do the right thing. Know that that's in the right place for you to be. I can't give you the 
right answer of what you need to do in every situation. Look, that's why Jesus prayed to God the Father that he would protect them from the evil one. We need to do more praying. But also, we need to know the truth. We need to, one, know, believe the faith that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we need to know God's word. You know, I mean, I share it about every year, but it's because it gets worse and worse. The Bible literacy is people are reading the Bible far less now than ever before. You think with all the time everybody had during COVID, the shutdown, we'd have... No, it dropped dramatically during the last couple of years. And when we're not in, grounded in truth, it's easy for us to be, to be swayed. So there is danger from without, but just as... <laughs> As a parent sends their kid off to college or into the workforce, you feel a little uncomfortable. But you know that you taught them in the way that that they needed. You didn't do it perfectly. But the good news, the good news is that we have an advocate who is Victorious, that is in heaven right now, praying for us that we might be protected. So may we know the truth. May we live the truth. This may be the hardest, but may we find joy in the mission that he has called us to. Thank you for listening to this message. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com.